Well, good morning, church. It's really lovely to be with you this morning. And for those who are here, you're very welcome. And for all of you who are there, you're very welcome. Thank you, Aaron and Ali and Ben for leading worship. It did occur to me that if there's another worship leader whose name began with B, then we could have had Abba leading the worship <laughs> this morning. I've been very carefully instructed to stand on this X And I mustn't move off the X, but I am a bit of a wanderer. So if I do move, forgive me. And I also need to apologise. So I think I walked in front of the camera during worship. Uh, I'm just not familiar with the setup here. So apologies for that. Anyway, thank you for having myself. My wife's here. Uh, Our younger daughter is also coming across with us. It's just such a joy to be with you. I don't know whether to look at you. Should I look at you or do I look there? Where do I look? everywhere. Um, It is a real joy to to be with you all. Uh, For those of you who've been in the church a few years, you'll know that a couple of years ago I I had some health issues and uh, we spent a lot of time with this church here, which we already knew and loved a lot and yet over those months we really felt part of the church family here. So I, I just want to again say thank you so much. You served us magnificently well and really helped my recovery. We have lots of fond memories of times, including one very special moment where I spent a day on a a canal boat um, with with Mr. Nell. And uh, if if you're online, um, Brian, that was a great day. And I want to thank you for the way that you've uh, really helped me over this time as well. Anyway, I've been asked to come and speak about leadership, in particular eldership, so I'm very pleased to do that. And if you have your Bible, then we're going to look at a few verses from 1 Peter 5, uh, 1 to 4. And they'll come up on the screen, in fact, they already have. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. And then we're going to move into this couple of verses where we have three nots and then three buts. So not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money. So if you're greedy for money, eldership isn't for you. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you. So if you're someone that likes to put your weight around and uh, perhaps dominate people or bully people, then again, I'd suggest that eldership really isn't for you. Because to be an elder is to be an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, as Jesus appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Now, Peter writes to the elders here who are responsible for, and underline this word, shepherding. Shepherding God's flock, the church. This is very important because throughout the Bible, leaders and their relationship with those who they are leading is often uh, described as a shepherd-like relationship. And this is all rooted back to the fact that God himself is our shepherd. 
Perhaps most notably, notably in, in Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. And our text this morning, Peter actually refers to Jesus being the chief shepherd. And one of the key roles of an elder is to shepherd, is to pastor the flock, to watch over them, to care for them, to guide and instruct them. It's also to serve the church as a loving, compassionate, skillful overseer. I once heard uh, a, a good pastor, a very wise pastor, he once said that a church will not progress beyond the spiritual progress of its leaders. A church will not progress beyond the spiritual progress of its leaders. And when I heard that and reflected on it, I think he's right. I think I agree with that statement. Therefore, appointing godly, servant-hearted, shepherd-hearted elders is vital for a healthy church. And if I were asked to sum up the role of an elder, I would probably say something like this. As shepherds of the flock, elders work together, underline the word together, it's a team of elders, all pulling together, all leading together, to ensure that God's word is taught, that God is exalted in all things. That's in relationships in the church, in, in people's lives, corporately together, individually, small groups, that in everything God is exalted and that God's people, that's us, are effectively and lovingly pastored. So if asked what I do, do I think is the role of an elder, that's probably where I would land, that's what I would say. And that's why the New Testament places such a high value on leadership itself. It's why Paul says to Timothy in his first letter, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer or an elder, he desires a noble task. So we need to understand that God has appointed elders to be shepherds, to care for the people in the church, to be overseers, to have responsibility for keeping watch over the church. As it says in 1 Timothy 5.17, also to direct the affairs of the church. There is a governmental role to eldership. Now, if you were to look through the New Testament generally, this is how it would flow. The gospel goes out, primarily Paul, other apostles. People are saved. They become followers of Jesus Christ. They begin to gather together in, in small groups called local churches, and then elders are appointed. That's the general flow of the New Testament. And these elders were under God. Note that Jesus is the chief shepherd. We're the under shepherds as, old, as elders. We're under God and we've been entrusted with the responsibility of making sure God's word is taught, God is honoured, exalted, and the people are pastored or shepherded. Now, in this section, Paul is not dealing with the qualifications of eldership, what elders should be like, what they shouldn't be like. You can, you can read that yourself in, in uh, 1 Timothy 3, in Titus 1. That can be part of your own devotion your own study. This morning, I'd like to focus on four words. 
namely pastoral, accountable, teamwork, and flock. I think the, uh, has the PowerPoint gone or I just can't see it? Oh, there we go. So pastoral, accountable, teamwork, and flock. Firstly, pastoral. It is first of all a pastoral ministry. It's clearly shepherding, pastoral. Yes, there are meetings to lead. Yes, there is vision to cast as an elder. Yes, there are sermons to preach. All of these are essential. All of these are good. All of these are wholly appropriate. But in my experience of over 22 years as an elder in a local church, the pastoral care and encouragement of the people in the church is central. We are to shepherd the flock. Now, much of this will go largely unseen by most of the people in the church. Hours of prayer, hours of interceding for the church, meeting with individuals, weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with those who rejoice, and everything in between, that's the pastoral ministry. Helping people to apply God's Word to their lives. You see, it isn't so much about the public, it's more about the hidden and what is largely unseen by many in the church. At the end of last year, a much-loved member of our church staff, who was a homeless guy seven, eight years ago, and he came to faith, was saved, and, and then we employed him as our buildings manager. Well, he passed away in December last year of uh, liver failure. And that was a tough time for the church. That was just, you know, we, and at that point as elders, we thought, man, we've got to shepherd the church. We have to shepherd these people. And I, I spent ages, hours with Carl, who passed away. And what was I doing largely with him? I was trying to apply God's word to his life and situation, saying, Carl, do you know where you're going? And we were comforting one another, waiting in hospital waiting rooms for diagnoses and what's going to happen next. The pastoral ministry was being with him, saying, Carl, you've got a great place that you're going to. And then you need to shepherd the church. A couple of weeks ago, I received a, a text from a couple who had been part of the church since it began. And the husband had been rushed into hospital with chest pains, heart condition. And the text was, David, can you get the elders to pray? He had a couple of stents put in. He's back now and seems to be stable. Why am I telling you this? Because this is largely the role of the elder. I went away for a few days last week with Julie and when I returned, one of the other pastors in the church, he left me an email. And he said, good morning, David. Glad that you enjoyed a good time with Julie. Just a brief note to update you on a few things. So, so we've been away for four days. I've, I've deleted the names of the people. I've put X's here. X has gone to Malvern, Malvern after the sudden passing of her father. She'll be staying there at least one week to to comfort and support the mum. 
Another person had a cataract on her right eye removed last Wednesday, and due to the cataract on the left eye, uh, being removed in four weeks' time. After that, her eye, the surgeon will look to see possible retina issues. Another person had an operation on a shoulder last Wednesday, which went pretty well. Someone else had a scan last Wednesday to see what medical uh, intervention was needed on her knee, whether it was needed or not. Four days we've been away. Another one, ask me to visit and pray for her mum, Jean, to know peace and comfort of God because she's been bedridden since January. David, we prayed for all these situations on Wednesday and Friday morning. By the way, the elders' meeting didn't happen because people weren't available. Welcome to the eldership life. Welcome to the pastoral ministry. But this is the reality. Now, not all my months are like this, but I'm just illustrating what can happen five days ago. I had a call from a lady in our church to say that her husband had literally dropped down dead. He had a massive heart attack and the uh, medics came, did CPR, um, but he had gone. Elders are called to shepherd the flock in their care. Yes, I'm standing here to you, with you today preaching, but the majority of my time over the last number of weeks, months, has been spent in prayer, in counsel, and in pastoral ministry. So if you were to ask my church in Harrow, what have I been doing over the last few weeks, not many of them would be able to tell you all that I've just spoken to you. Because what they tend to see is the public. They say, oh, well, yeah, he preaches on a Sunday and he, he leads some worship. He does that. Frankly, I don't know what he does the rest of the week. You know, what, what, what does he do? And maybe you have those thoughts about your elders. Let me assure you, if your elders, and I know them well, are anything like our elders, they have lots to do because they are shepherding the flock. Now, I'd suggest that the shepherding responsibility is primary, primarily to take place with the crook of God's words, his words, the Bible. That's the tool of our shepherding. Sometimes a shepherd would give a sharp tap on the nose of a sheep if it's going astray. Sometimes he'd take the crook and he'd bend it and he'd lift it to safety. A good shepherd will have a well-worn crook. In the same way, a good elder should have a well-worn Bible. I want to give a word to the elders. I've got Aaron sitting here, and I'm trusting Andy's online somewhere. Your Bibles, my Bible, an elder's Bible, I would suggest should be well-read, well-leafed. They should be underlined. They should have names written in them, your names written in them. There should be notes in them where in prayer, God, through the Holy Spirit, has spoken to us about a situation or a person. We jot it down. Why? Because we're shepherds. We care for the flock in which we are leading. And just as the shepherd's crook is marked with the caring of the sheep, so our Bibles and our prayer lives should be marked with pastoral care. 
I tell you, sometimes the marks, I speak personally now, over the years, sometimes the marks of pastoral care, they cut deep. They really cut deep. I'm going to bring a little bit of application at the end as to our role as a church towards eldership, but I'll give you a sneak preview now. Pray for your elders. Pray for them, because it's hard to shepherd the flock. It's also great joy in shepherding the flock. A word to the church. Have you noticed that a shepherd leads the sheep to pasture and then the sheep feed themselves? Therefore, although a key part of the eldership role is to preach and teach the Bible, the Word, it is also that we are to help you feed yourself on the Word. It's not simply a case of spoon-feeding biblical knowledge. It's taking the sheep to a pasture and saying, now take the word for yourself and apply to yourself. So don't just blindly come each Sunday and expect to be taught and do nothing else about it yourself. Bring your Bible. Check it out. Search the Scriptures yourself. Bring the Bible, see if what the person who is speaking about is actually telling you stuff that's in here. There's an application for us. We have to take responsibility. The word of an elder in and of itself is completely irrelevant unless it is soaked in and guided by and in agreement with the word of God. It is the word of of God we need. It's not the elder's word. It's not my word. It's not Aaron's word, Andy's word. It's the word of God we need. And this is why it is crucially important that elders are men who know their Bibles, who live according to the Bible and lead others in the truth of the Bible. So eldership is pastoral. I would say it's primarily shepherding. But secondly, it's accountable. An elder who takes his calling seriously knows that Jesus, the chief shepherd, verse 4, is going to return, going to appear, and there will be an unfading crown of glory. Well, that's really encouraging. I read that, I'm encouraged. That's great news, that's something to anticipate. Hebrews 13, 7 says, leaders who keep watch over the souls must give an account. I find that sobering. So I'm encouraged over here with Peter I read Hebrews and I'm sobered because I have to give an account of how I've led the church. This means that an elder will give an account for all the words that he has preached. I have to give an account to God for this message that I'm bringing to you. Every private counsel, you will give an account. Every time you jested with the Bible or applied it knowingly, inappropriately or frivolously, you will give an account. Every time you presented to some, someone in a preach or in conversation something that you would not live by yourself, you will give an account. An elder's attitude, thought life, secret life, how he has dealt with people under his care, how he has pastored the church, will be scrutinised by God and he will have to give an account. 
doesn't matter if an elder is in secular employment, retired or employed by the church, they are all equally responsible for caring for the flock of God. And each will have to give an account for God. So be encouraged with what Peter says, be sobered in a godly way about what Hebrews is writes. Elders are accountable to God, they're accountable to each other and to apostolic ministry. Our marriage, if we're married, our personal lives, our spiritual lives, how we handle our money, our strengths, our weaknesses, our relationships, they are all regularly assessed and we choose to willingly, lovingly submit ourselves to one another within an eldership context to ensure that we are living authentic and godly lives. I do this with my eldership every week. More often, if we're on WhatsApp or whatever, sometimes we miss a week, as in when I was away. But you get the feeling. We sit down and we say, guys, how are you? And I know that Aaron and Andy do that too. And actually, we do it together as well. And it is vitally important, church, that you know this, because to know that Aaron and Andy are doing this together, and you know, we trust that as an eldership grows, there will be others in, in that mix too, as they do that together, it's a safeguard for you because you know that your elders are on track. And we call each other out. If we think, so if I'm in an eldership meeting and I see something or something comes up in conversation, I will talk to them. And I will say, guys, I'm really struggling with this. You need to pray for me. You need to get along. Why? Because we have to give an account. We have to give an account. Elders are accountable to the ones they serve in the church. I really believe that as an elder at Harrow, I'm, I'm accountable to the, to the church that I serve. In fact, I've, I've told our church on, on many occasions that if the elders in Harrow stop being eager to serve or stop being shepherds of God's flock or stop serving as overseers and being godly examples, then church you are right to be concerned. What's more, if that continues and the elders in Harrow become arrogant or they become self-serving or they become domineering, then you have every right. In fact, I encourage you, leave this church and go somewhere like Watford who have godly, humble, lovely elders. And I, I tell them, I'm serious. And, and what's more, I say to them, and probably you'll have to follow me. Because I would, I'm not staying in the church that has domineering, awful elders. Why would you? It's not God's plan. It's not his heart. So I can't apply that to this church. I'll have to let Aaron and Andy do that if that's the wisdom that they want to bring. I'm just telling you what I, what I think and where I go. Why? Because elders are accountable. And we're to be servant-hearted, shepherd-hearted. Thirdly, an eldership is not only pastoral and accountable, it's also plural. Church should be operating with an active, vibrant, spirit-filled team of elders. The chief shepherd Jesus appoints under-shepherds, elders, to lead his flock by the crook of the word of God. And because of this, it doesn't fall to any one person, but to a plurality of elders. That in itself brings a safeguard. And it's important to realise that responsibilities are shared. The privileges are shared. The responsibilities are shared. 
But that is not the same as saying that everyone in the local church eldership is equally gifted, because clearly they're not. Well, I can't say it actually for maybe Andy and Aaron are equally gifted. I know in our church we're not equally gifted. We have strengths and weaknesses. I would not come to me for pastoral prayer and a listening ear. I would go to Cliff because Cliff is magnificent. I tell you, you look through Cliff's Bible, it really is underlined. He's got names in there. He's got things that God has spoken to. And when people come to Cliff and he sits down, he goes, what? It's all there. And I think, man, I wish I could be more like Cliff. But then I have some gifts and strengths that Cliff doesn't have. And so it is with all our other elders. But together, we lead the church. Some elders preach more than others. Some are better at one-to-ones, providing counsel. But in everything, there is unity in diversity. And there is, because as we gather together, and it's the same for the guys here, as they gather together, they're on their knees. There have been times when we've wept over the church. There have been times when we've laughed as we've been able to tell good stories of stuff that's happening. And normally there's a mix all the way through in our meetings. And then someone will say, you know what, I'm feeling terrible about it. I don't even want to be an elder anymore. Oh man, come on, God's called you. Let's encourage this guy. It's the, it's the eldership life. Eldership life. None of the elders can do everything in isolation. That's why team of elders working together in humility, covering one another, supporting one another, is so important for the church to be shepherded well and to be healthy. Fourthly, flock. So it's pastoral, it's accountable, it's a team, and finally it's a flock. It's us, men, women, children, with a family of God. An eldership does not lead a club, doesn't lead an organisation, it leads the family of God. And Christ first is the part of the family of God local here in this part of the country. What then is the responsibility and role of this flock with regards to eldership? Well, Hebrews 13.7, it helps us here. It says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Remember your leaders, pray for them, encourage them. Never ever think that your elders don't need to be encouraged. Never, sometimes we can feel that, can't we? Oh, Aaron, he, yeah, he's, he's always great, he's always smiling, he's always, he's always you know, having a, having a laugh, and he always seems so together, and, you know, he speaks well. And I was actually very impressed with his guitar playing today. I thought, man, I didn't know he could play the guitar that well. But, and you'd think, oh, Andy, oh, well, he, he can do everything. And actually, he can. He's got a great capacity. I feel quite, um, quite humbled and small next to Andy. But there you are, and you think, wow, well, well, Andy, you know, he's got it all together. Believe me, they haven't. Aaron's my son-in-law. I know him really well. Actually, on that point, I do know him really well. I do know him really well. And, I can, and actually, I know Andy very well as well. Guys, you are so blessed with your elders. You really are so blessed. I've seen Aaron, I was up a scaffold tower with him yesterday, and 
you know, I've played football with him, I've prayed with him, he's prophesied over me. You know, we've done the whole thing, the whole shebang. He's fathered my grandchildren. He's taken my daughter to be his wife. Do you know something? In all the years I've known this man, I have never, ever had any cause for concern in any aspect of his life. And the same for Andy. You have got two exceptional elders. And you need to encourage... I'm sure you do. I'm not, this isn't a, a hidden, barbed comment. Aaron didn't say, could you get a little bit of encouragement for us in there? This really is... I'm sure you do. I want to underline what you're already doing, I'm sure. Never stop encouraging them. Never stop saying, well done. Never feel, oh, well, they, they don't need... They're all together. They, they've got it sussed. Encourage your elders. Remember your leaders. Imitate their faith. In other words, when they preach, okay, let's say, I don't know, let's say they're going through, uh, you know, uh, John 15, and they're, and they're preaching through John 15. Part of what you need to do, not, not no, don't get really critique on them, okay? But part of what you need to do is after they've preached, part of you says, okay, how is that word that they've just preached being lived out in their life? Does it marry up? Does it marry up or not? Is, is there a big disconnect between what they're preaching and how they're living their life? And if there is, there's an issue. If it marries up, now they're not perfect, of course they're not perfect. We're all works imperfect. Doesn't it say that in Philippians? He who began a good work in you will complete it on the day of Christ. I tell this to my church all the time. Say, church, be gentle with me. I'm a work in progress. God has started a good work in me. He's refining me. He's sanctifying me. And it's not going to be completed until he returns. Same with these guys. They're not perfect. But when they preach, when they talk to you, it's does it marry up? Is their life balanced with what they say? If it is, and I trust the answer is yes, then with confidence imitate their faith. That's part of our role as a church. Hebrews 13, 17, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Not no benefit to them, no benefit to you. Why should you have confidence in your leaders? Well, if your answer to me is, well, I quite like them, that's the wrong answer. Hebrews says, have confidence in your leaders because they keep watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Now, I want us to be clear here. As we submit to leadership and eldership and as we serve and as we have confidence and imitate faith, verse 9 of Hebrews 13 says, don't be led astray by weird and wacky and strange teaching. And that's really important. In other words, we have to keep our brain engaged as the flock. We have to keep 
thinking. We have to keep reading and studying the Word ourselves. We have to keep making sure that what is preached is actually in here and is consistent with what is in here. That's part of your role as the church, family, as the flock. Let me end with this. We need to recognise that if a local eldership is going to function to the best of their ability, then we need to submit joyfully with confidence in their leadership as everyone in the church submits to Christ, right? It's not, they don't, so everyone submits to Christ. He's the chief shepherd. We're the under shepherds as elders. But we need to pray for them. I ask the, the church in Harrow all the time, please pray for me. I know my weaknesses. I know I need prayer. Julie, ask Julie. She knows I need prayer. Pray for them prophesy over them. Oh, can I prophesy over an elder? Of course you can. They'd love you to prophesy. Oh, I'm not so sure. Get in there. Prophesy over them. Encourage them. Strengthen them in God as they serve and lead and shepherd you. It does the church good. Amen? Amen. And look at that. I've almost finished on time. Praise God. Amen.